Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. You are loved, you belong, and you have a unique purpose from God. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Here's today's message. What's up, everybody? Good to see you in the room. Good to see you online. read the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father in heaven, together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Can't hear you from the beginning. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Jesus taught us that's how we pray. And what's powerful about it is it's not an I prayer. It says, our Father. Vertical, connected with God, but always horizontal, connected with people. You can't shake it. There's nothing you can do. God is always inviting us to unite with him through Jesus Christ, but each other as well in Jesus Christ. And by the power of his spirit, I pray as we prayed that today, we are forever transformed. The book of Philemon is a single chapter book, and it comes out with very powerful petition as Paul pens a request of a runaway slave for whatever reason We don't know the exact reason of ran away, but against the slave owner, Philemon, Paul's now petitioning as the runaway slave, Onesimus, has gotten saved and become dear to Paul. Paul pens and says, hey, I want you now to take him back as a brother, as an equal. And he starts it out in such a way that he's saying how he is in Jesus. He's talking about his authority, his love for the church, and he's going after the heart of Philemon. And let's look at an overview. And today is titled this, A Prisoner of Christ Jesus. The very opening word says, A Prisoner of Christ Jesus. The Bible Project does such a good job of giving us a video overview. Let's pull up that and watch that together right now. Paul's letter to Philemon. It was written during one of Paul's many imprisonments, and it's actually his shortest letter in the New Testament, but don't let its size trick you. It's actually one of the most explosive things that Paul ever wrote. Here's the backstory that we can piece together from details within the letter. Philemon was a well-to-do Roman citizen from Colossae who likely met Paul during his mission in Ephesus and he became a follower of Jesus. Then later, when Paul's co-worker Epaphras started a Jesus community in Colossae, Philemon became a leader of a church that met in his house. Now, Philemon, like all household patriarchs in the Roman world, owned slaves, one of whom was named Onesimus. And at some point, these two had a serious conflict. Onesimus wronged Philemon in some way. Maybe it was theft, or maybe he cheated him. We don't exactly know. But afterwards, Onesimus ran away. Eventually, Onesimus came to Paul in prison, likely to appeal for help. And in the process, he became a follower of Jesus and then a beloved assistant of Paul. 
And so Paul finds himself in a very difficult and delicate situation as he writes this letter. He's going to ask Philemon not just to forgive Onesimus and receive him back, but to embrace him as a brother in the Messiah and no longer as a slave. Here's how he does it. Paul opens with a prayer, first praising Philemon and thanking God for the love and faithfulness he's shown to Jesus, to his people. And he then paves the way for his request with this line. I pray that the partnership that springs from your faith may effectively lead you to recognize all the good things that work in us, leading us into the Messiah. Now, a key word here is partnership, or in Greek, koinonia. It means sharing or mutual participation. It's when two or more people receive something together and share in it, becoming partners. Paul's saying that faithfulness to Jesus means recognizing that all of his followers are equal partners who share together in the gift of God's love and grace. And for Paul, this experience of koinonia among Jesus' followers, it's not just an idea that you think about, it's something that you do in your relationships, which moves Paul on to his request. He finally brings up Onesimus. He says that he's become Paul's child in prison, meaning that Paul led Onesimus to dedicate his life and allegiance to Jesus, and so Paul and Onesimus are now family members in the Messiah. He's been serving Paul faithfully in prison, and even though Paul wants to keep him around, he knows that this unresolved conflict with Philemon has to be reconciled if they say that they're followers of Jesus. Which moves Paul on to his bold request, that Philemon receive Onesimus back, no longer as a slave, but as more than a slave, as a beloved brother in the Lord. Now, this is a really tall order. Under Roman law, Philemon had every legal right to have Onesimus punished or put in prison. And Paul's not only asking him to forgive Onesimus, but to welcome back his former slave into Colossae as a social equal, as a family member. This is way more than kindness. This is unheard of. It's freeing a slave and then treating them like a family member. It upsets the status quo of the Roman social order, why should Philemon do such a thing? And here Paul pulls a brilliant move. He recalls that key word from the opening prayer. He says, if you're truly a partner with me, it's that Greek word koinonia again, then welcome Onesimus as if he were me. And if he's wronged you or owes you anything, charge it to me and I will repay it. So in this request, we see the heart of Paul's gospel message being acted out. It's first of all about reconciliation. It's just like he told the Corinthians. In the Messiah, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them. So in this situation, Paul is putting himself in the place of Jesus. He will absorb the consequences of Onesimus' wrongdoing. He will pay the cost so that he can be reconciled to Philemon. But Paul's message was about more than just a legal transaction. It's also about koinonia. Onesimus and Philemon and Paul are all equals before God. They all share the same need for forgiveness. And so the ground is level before the cross, which means that Philemon and Onesimus can no longer relate to each other as master and slave. They're family members. They're brothers in the Messiah. Or as Paul told Philemon and the whole church of Colossae, in God's new family, people are not Greek or Jewish or circumcised or uncircumcised or foreigners or uncivilized or slave or free, but the Messiah is all and is in all people. 
Paul closes the letter stating his confidence that Philemon will do even more than Paul's requested. And he asks him to prepare a guest room because he wants to visit as soon as he gets out of prison. And then with some final greetings, Paul ends the letter. Paul's letter to Philemon is powerful for many reasons. It's the only letter where Paul doesn't explicitly mention Jesus' death or resurrection, and this is not an oversight. He doesn't need to explain the cross with words because he's demonstrating it through his actions. Paul's embodying here the meaning of the cross. He has made himself the place through which Onesimus and Philemon are reconciled to God and then to each other. This letter also shows us that the implications of the good news about Jesus, they are extremely personal and never private. The fact that Philemon and Onesimus are now brothers in the Messiah, it makes their master-slave relationship totally irrelevant. The family of Jesus' people is the place where all are equal recipients of God's grace. It's a new kind of society, or a new humanity, as he called it in the letter to the Colossians, where people's value and social status, it's not defined by race or gender or social or economic class. In the Messiah, there are simply new humans who are equal partners who share together in God's healing mercy through Jesus. And that's what Paul's letter to Philemon is all about. All right, a lot going on there. And I hope this month we'll revisit this often as we inch through. This is where we'll be all month. So let's take a pass and read it together. We'll be reading the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible. And different translations um, have different emphases on either readability or original accuracy. And the CSB is a newer translation that has high accuracy but yet accessibility for readability because there's different reading levels for all of us. And this keeps, uh, it's, an, it's a good accuracy and accessibility on-ramp. Let's read it together. Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and co-worker, to Aphia, our sister, to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God when I mention you in my prayers, because I hear of your love for all the saints and the faith that you have in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your participation in the faith may become effective through knowing every good thing that is in us for the glory of Christ. For I have great joy and encouragement from your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, brother. For this reason, although I have great boldness in Christ to command you to do what is right, I appeal to you instead on the basis of love. I, Paul, as an elderly man, and now also as a prisoner of Christ Jesus, appeal to you for my son Onesimus. I became his father while I was in chains. Once he was useless to you, but now he is useful both to you and to me. I am sending him back to you. I am sending my very own heart. I wanted to keep him with me so that in my imprisonment for the gospel, he might serve me in your place but I didn't want to do anything without your consent, so that your good deed might not be out of obligation, but of your own free will. For perhaps this is why he was separated from you for a brief time, 
so that you might get him back permanently, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, as a dearly loved brother. He is especially so to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would me. And if he has wronged you in any way, or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. Not to mention to you that you owe me even your very self. Yes, brother, may I benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Since I am confident of your obedience, I am writing to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. Meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me since I hope that through your prayers, I will be restored to you. Epiphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my co-workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Today, we'll just get through um, one through seven, and one of the obvious things we will talk about this month is what is God's view on people and structures? Does he condone slavery? And throughout all the scripture, you see that no, he wants to empower people for their original purpose, which they're made in God's image. And then when we're in Christ Jesus, there's such a higher calling that's past any system, politically, racially, social, economically, and it transcends all that. And Paul's penning here in such a way that Philemon respects him. And he's not using his authority to force on. He's petitioning in such a way that he's given him an opportunity to remember his partnership. But he's willing to put his authority out there to say, hey, charge it to the game. Charge it to me. A theologian named Charles Spurgeon has a quote on slavery, which I think he would have probably gotten killed in the South. And well, how could Christians go about such horrific examples in church history of marginalizing people? And for every bad example, we have to look past them, denounce it. But does the text affirm that? And absolutely not. So right theology should influence our methodology. And so today I'm asking us this question, will we give up our rights to be right? And will we even give up our rights as people in general? Because let's watch Paul, the way he has a way to say what we have in Christ Jesus transcends position or place. This is so powerful. Anyways, that can speak on the Posture of slavery here. Charles Spurgeon says, though, although I commune at the Lord's table, you and I at, together at the cross or the table eat with men of all creeds, yet with a slaveholder, I have no fellowship of any sort of kind. <laughs> I would as soon think of receiving a murderer into my church as a man stealer. The mic drops there. Paul believed that Jesus' good news made these two men equal partners in God's grace, which is so powerful to redeem and create a unified, multi-ethnic family of new humans. Today, insert your name 
a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Now, Paul's penning this in prison. You could say, well, he must just mean because he's in prison. Does he? Notice what he says right out the jump. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. But yet he's not a prisoner of Christ Jesus. He's a prisoner of those in charge that he's threatening the power of the day. So therefore, for this gospel of peace, that he's doing nothing threatening, unjustly he's put in prison, but he's also then reminding himself and Philemon to say, look, 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 don't get it twisted. If Christ wanted me out of here, he would get me out of here. So he must have a purpose for me being here, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Now, friend, I haven't been able to get past this all week long. Now, for us, we, we move on so quick, don't we? Ah, that verse doesn't apply to me. Does it? Before anything else, my job, my marriage, my role in the community, my dreams, my desires, I'm a follower of Jesus. What Paul's given up there is he's saying, hey, it's my honor to be a prisoner of Christ Jesus. The gospel is very hard. Scriptures teach us work hard, yeah. Scriptures teach us, teach us play hard, yeah. Scriptures teach us rest hard. So Paul is telling us right out the jump. Yeah, 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 I know sons and daughters, but don't get it twisted. I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus too. In another book, in Philippians 1, he writes it this way, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. His introductory greetings, he has servants here, and then he has prisoner of Christ Jesus. To understand the word servant is doulos in Greek, and you know what that means? Bond servant, which is also slave. We love last week, you know, Jesus is Savior. But this is now, when you get in with the 12 and we start talking about some tougher text, it, it, it's a hard road to travel. It's narrow. But if we travel on that, few will find it, but it leads to life. And Jesus is constantly correcting those closest to him. And Paul is continuing that to pen to the church. Look, 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 your lives aren't your own. I know you cheered for baptism Sunday, but you're bond servants too. A word study of the word prisoner is desmios. It means to be bound or inbounds or captive or prisoner. And it's used in other places of when Jesus is about to be crucified and the people are going to release a prisoner. It's also when Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God that they were prisoners. So it's meaning literal. But yet Paul's saying spiritual, it's okay. I'm okay that Christ put me here. This is challenging for us to think of ourselves as prisoners because prisoners are always associated with bad. And Paul has a way of transforming everything that's happening to him, God is using. What the enemy meant for bad, all things are working for good. By showing us, the victorious power of God's word and grace, which is not bound, but to triumph over captivity and even the danger of death, Paul is reminding us. Jesus is worth that much. We say here, you're loved, right? You belong, right? You have purpose. 
But in your purpose, even in prison, Christ is worth our praise. This is very challenging. Why? Because we're, we're creatures of bias. We naturally will project on the text. We got to be careful. We got to zoom even out further past our own self. Let the text speak for itself. What did it mean for them then? What does it mean for us now? Is it Garden City? Yeah. Is it personal relationship with Jesus? I'm a son of God. He left the 99? Yeah. But in our context, I think the pendulum can swing a little too far. Americans, we're so used to everything kind of looking like us, going our way. You turn on the TV, we, we think the American dream, and some of that we've realized is a mirage. But one of the greatest books that's influenced my life And that's not to knock on where I'm at. I think you can fully serve and have pride in your country and be under authority and be submissive and in love and try to seek the benefit and and the peace of your city you're in. But, But the gospel is not our continent. It's not our country. The gospel is God's message that's a kingdom, that's new, that's a king. And one of the books that's helped me outside the Bible uh, more than any other book, and we have all the interns read here, is Radical by David Platt. This is taking back your faith from the American dream. We get here so quick. God says this, or I think or I feel. Is that what it says? Are we sure? Well, Paul was a prisoner, but I, I might not be. Are you sure? I think Paul has in mind, as we look, as he penned in so many other places, that we're ambassadors in Ephesians 6, for I'm an ambassador in chains. An ambassador is a representation of another nation through a representative that is here on behalf of. Like, hey, I represent this country. I represent the kingdom And even though I'm bound in chains, I'm still an ambassador of heaven and God of the universe. Wow, such boldness. Even when Jesus was accused, you saw that boldness. He didn't didn't fight for his rights. He just knew who he was. And is there a time to fight? Yeah. Is there a time to uh, uh, declare what is right and work towards that? Absolutely. But let's understand our posture first as followers of Jesus, of what we're in and the game we're in. Let's not read the Bible and just move on so quick and think it was just for them then. No, this is powerful. First Corinthians, I think Paul's remembered in chapter six that, that his life has been bought with a high price. How about Galatians two when he says, my life is no longer my own. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. How about Galatians two where he says, hey, for through the law, I died to the law so I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ, Right? That I die daily, the life I now live in the body, I live by faith who loved me and gave himself up for me. How about when he reminds us in 2 Timothy chapter 2, he says, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in the concerns of civilian life. He seeks to please the commanding officer. When we're Christians, we're soldiers for a higher purpose that we don't get entangled in whatever's going on around us. We're aiming to please the one who enlisted us. How about in 2 Corinthians when he's like, hey, I got this thorn in the flesh. God, can you take it away? God responds, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. 
Paul writes, so I take pleasure in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Friend, if you know Jesus Christ, this is for you. If you don't know Jesus yet, I think it's the greatest thing because the weight of sin is that bad. And if he purchases your life as Savior, then he demands obedience as Lord and Master, and it's our honor and our joy to follow him. One of the things we think is, oh, this is for Paul because he's a church leader. Mm, This is for followers of Jesus. And he says, I take pleasure in weaknesses. When's the last time you were around a follower that talks like this? Really hard in our setting, especially. I take pleasure in insults, hardships, persecutions, and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, I am strong. He has an opposite view of how this works. (laughs) Come on. Don't you get strong by lifting weights? Don't you get strong by power and authority? Don't you get strong by promotion? He's saying, it's my honor and my joy to go through stuff for the glory of God. And if God doesn't want to remove the pain, he must have purpose in my pain. He must have purpose in the wilderness. Paul was shipwrecked three times. He faced danger. Sleepless nights, hunger, 2 Corinthians 11 teaches us. Not to mention other things. There was daily pressure on me, his concern for all churches, for me and you. You imagine walking up, be like, man, I had a hard week. And this is, we never discount pain. There's empathy. But I think especially um, in our context, and I think City Life, we've done a good job. God cares about you. Let's rest. Let's abide. Healthy me leads to healthy everything. Get some therapy, right? Uh, d- date yourself. But don't get, it, don't get it twisted too. Like, come, in, come into the table with some of our things and imagine, uh, hey, Paul, I just need a little bit of advice, man. Here's what happened in my job this week or here's what happened to my family. He's like, oh, that's cool. Man, I was shipwrecked three times for this thing. My bad. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> my bad. My bad. Sometimes the freedom we have, the alone time with Jesus we have, the luxury to take our own little power cord and go individual, is actually a prison cell because God wants us to be connected with each other, the vertical, the horizontal. And that's why even Paul taught us that he learned the secret of whether having a lot or a little in Philippians 4, to be content. Whether fed or hungry, Abundant or in need, I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Church, we love the verses that we can take that builds us up, but the ones that build us up is always coming from a posture of surrender, death, and just open hands. Like, God, I can't. I don't, I don't think I'm right. I don't know. Teach me. Lead me. So this isn't solved on a Sunday here. It's a life journey. So why would I identify as a prisoner of Christ? You guys still with me? Kind of like coming to a class today. I brought a friend. This isn't what it's normally like. You're trying to tell him on the way out. You're like, I'm telling you, normally he comes out in Jordans and he's nicer and everything's fun. And um, Why would I identify as a prisoner of Christ like Paul did? Well, I got to remember how I got here. The wages of sin is death. 
one of the most powerful truths of what judgment and sin looks like, disobedience, is Exodus 12. When Pharaoh's heart is so hardened, he won't even listen. And the Lord brings judgment. Look at this. I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and strike every firstborn male in the land of Egypt, both the people and the animals. I am the Lord. I will execute judgments against all the gods of Egypt. The blood on the houses when you are staying with will be a distinguishable mark for you. When I see the blood, I will pass over. No plague will be among you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So when you hear about Passover, this is remembering that the blood on the doorpost, which is a sign that eventually the blood of Jesus covers us, makes us brand new. This is why in verse 14, this day is to be a memorial for you. You must celebrate it as a festival to the Lord. You are to celebrate it throughout your generations as a permanent statute because the Lord's judgment comes but it passed over you and me because of Jesus. Verse 29 in Exodus 12, this one is always hard for me to read. I'm like, God, why? Because now at midnight, the Lord struck every firstborn male in the land of Egypt. You've had a kid? I can't imagine your kid being struck dead. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat at his throne to the firstborn of the prisoners who was in the dungeon and every firstborn of the livestock. You say, hey, God, how is this a good loving God when you're bringing this kind of judgment? It's very key to remember, though, how perfect and holy God is and how many opportunities he provided because someone does not deserve judgment if they're innocent. There is no one innocent. Because who we sinned against demands a different type of response. So when Pharaoh is saying, hey, nope, 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 God's like, hey, I kept, I kept giving you opportunities. For some of us, you know, I'm not trying to scare us into heaven, get the hell out of us, no. But this is the story of the gospel, too. It's cover to cover. Uh, pastor Brad did a great job this past week, City Life Philly, uh, my pastor, the church who helped plan us, who's an overseer here. And he used this analogy, who you sin against um, does demand a different response. So if I was driving a car and I hit a squirrel, probably not stopping. If I hit a cat or a dog, it'd be a courtesy to stop, right? The, the owner might be mad and shed a tear or two. I lost my, eight, uh, my only dog uh, we had other dogs, but my only dog that I would say, my dog, 12 years, 18th birthday, on my open house. He got hit by a car. Nobody stopped. We found him, you know, the next day. So R-I-H, rest in heaven, shout out to Toro. But it would have been a courtesy to stop being like, yo. And maybe they did stop because we were off the road, but that was a moment I had to have. And, 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 but at the end of the day, I realized I wasn't going to call the cops on it. But if you hit a kid, and if you just tell the person, hey, sorry, like, can we just bury the body? We don't need to get the cops involved. Demands a different type of response. What about when we have sinned against God? So what did God give up? What did God do for our sin? 
Why would we say, hey, I'm a prisoner of Christ? He didn't spare his son. Not his son to die on a cross. Because sometimes we say, hey, how much did Jesus love you? This much. But Jesus didn't say, hey, if there's any other way, don't put me on the cross. He said, if there's any other way, let this cup pass. Because if God's judgment, when it comes, destroyed all the firstborns, imagine the judgment for all of our sin, all of it, concentrated, everything. The cup of wrath is what Jesus drank. He didn't just die on a cross. He took the punishment for all of our sin. There's a video here. I don't know where you're at with don't spare the rod. I definitely believe in discipline. But this video really pulled my heart to think of, man, if this was my kid, how would I respond? And uh, I think it gets us ready for you know, what God did as we get ready to close. Check this video out. Now at five, there is disturbing video tonight of a school principal hitting a six-year-old student with a wooden paddle. The student's mother recorded the incident on her cell phone last month in Clewiston. Now the other woman that's going to be seen in the video is a school clerk. The mother, who does not speak English, says she did not give consent for her child to be hit, and now police are involved. CBS News national correspondent David Begno has the latest. That is Central Elementary School Principal Melissa Carter using a paddle to beat a six-year-old student as Cecilia Self, a clerk at the school, holds the girl's hands down. Afterwards, the principal berates the child. If your mom wants to come up to the school and spank you and we can watch, that's going to happen. The mother says that before the beating, she was brought into the principal's office. She says she noticed there were no surveillance cameras, so she secretly recorded what happened next with her phone. Do you understand me? Breathe and calm down. This child, who's three feet and weighs 40 pounds, was hyperventilating after she was hit. The mother spoke to CBS Fort Myers affiliate Wink News, but she didn't want to be identified. Next, the next uh, little clip there, she says, um, uh, which I, I must have cut short. She says, I thought I needed to, because they were like, why wouldn't you stop your kid being hit? Why would you film it? And she goes, I... I needed to get it out there. I wanted to sacrifice my child for, so no other people would happen. And I thought, man, that is, that is actually what God did with Jesus Christ. This is an upside-down kingdom. Now, the goal of that video is not the principle and look at, can you imagine if your sin was caught on video before we cast judgment? Parents, have you ever disciplined your kids too far? I think... Did the, did the news embellish the word beating? Okay, that's not a beating. Um, and someone else is like, that's what the kids need nowadays. Well, you know, there's something about it being a minority too and someone who can't speak in English that kind of really irks me and I'm trying to fight, you know? Like, so it makes me wrestle with so many emotions with it um, as a parent if that was my kid and then if I was a leader and you don't even know what parent, uh, school leaders are up against. Oh my goodness, you know? At any given time, 
I was at recess once and the kids were going buck wild on me. I almost showed up on the news because I was hanging out. It's a fourth grader. He runs in full speed and he drills me in the back. That's a bigger kid. And I know I'm not the biggest, so he's the same height as me. But he drills me in first instinct. I mean, bang, you know, when you get hit and it kind of shakes you to the bones. My first instinct was this, turn around. I was like, oh man, thank you. God, I didn't punch a fourth grader, you know? That would have been crazy. I, I wouldn't be here today. It would suck, you know? So I don't, whatever all is happening there, but here's the point. God sent Jesus to be whipped so bad that he barely resembled a man. Cat and nine tails ripping off with lashes on his back. The Romans were so good at crucifixion, they knew how to torture it so you could live as long as possible and survive. And as you pushed up from the cross, just to gasp air. And that is where the nail would go through your feet was one of the hardest um, pain points in your whole body, right by your Achilles. So there's torture. That's not even what Jesus did. That was the craziest thing. He took the beating and the punishment and the judgment for me and you. So remember, friend, yes, we're sons and daughters. And this is why Paul's starting this to Philemon. He's like saying, hey, I've given up my rights. Don't forget it. Before I ask you, I want you to remember, I'm a prisoner in Christ. And yes, it's God's kindness that leads people to repentance. It is. We understand God's real love. His love is disciplined. His love is so different than us. His love is loving. We can't even, his love is so outside of our thought that we would say, I identify as a prisoner of you. I would willingly go in that cell to know I'm with you. It's greater than anything this world has to offer, friend. The gospel is just, whoa. The good news is because the bad news is that bad. We're going to get ready to close, and there's a song that helps illustrate this opposite kingdom, this upside-down reality, and it's a song called Opposites, Rob G. And I want you to see every word, and just to get these notes out real quick, um, Hopefully, we'll get to talk about this more. We didn't get past the prisoner of Christ, but if you're a note taker, here's a few more things. Um, We're a prisoner of Christ, Jerome, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, who has love for the saints. That's what Paul's penning in verse four and five. And then he's penning in six, he's saying, and will you, Philemon, choose to to participate, partner, koinonia, will you participate what we've all received See, you can't boast if you, you know, like if you were born into riches, like you didn't get that. Like that, you were born into that. We were born into salvation only through Christ. We didn't get that. We received that. So that's where the koinonia term, we've we've both received together. So now that we can unite as equals that this vertical God is changing every relationship horizontally. So that lastly, we could see ourselves like this. Jerome a prisoner of Christ Jesus who has love for the saints and chooses to participate in every good thing for God's glory. That's what Paul's asking Philemon to remember and consider right out the jump, one through seven. Hope this song ministers to you as much as it has me over the years as we think of, man, can I give up my rights? And how beautiful is this message of Jesus that it takes everything upside down? Opposites, y'all. This is the land of the opposites. 
This is the land of the opposites. This is the land of the opposites. So obvious, but so quickly we forget. This is the land of the opposites. So obvious, but so quickly I forget. Let the weak say I have strength. Let the poor say I am rich. Let the sick say I am healed. Let the slave say I am free. The proud say I am nothing. Got a seat so small you could lose it in your pocket. His kingdom's coming so strong, the world would never stop it. Jesus' truth, he was more than just a prophet. His kingdom's coming so strong, the world would never stop it. World, we never stop it. Let the broken say I am whole. Let the humble say I will rise. I will rise. Let the sad say I have joy. Let the old say I'm a child. First say I am last Let the lost say I am found I am found Let the king say I am low Let the accused say I'm forgiven Let the wretch say I have hope Let the open say I know my father you can climb and climb to the top And one day it'll flip And everything will drop Got a seat so small You could lose it in your pocket This kingdom's coming so strong The world will never stop it Cause Jesus is truth He was more than just a prophet Kingdom's coming so strong, the world would never stop it. The world would never stop it. Climb and climb to the top, and one day it'll flip, and everything will drop. And you can climb and climb to the top, and one day it'll flip, and everything will drop. You can climb and climb to the top, and one day it'll flip. And everything will drop But you can climb and climb to the top And one day it'll flip And everything will drop Everything will Everything will Everything will drop But everything will Everything will drop So as we leave, you might have walked in this place carrying a heavy burden of sin. There's no shame in Christ Jesus. We've got to surrender our will, and he'll give us strength to overcome. You might today be realizing, 
man, I'm not sure if I'm asking the question enough. God, what do you want? What is right in your eyes? And I surrender. And ultimately, I pray we all would say, hey, I am a prisoner of you, Jesus Christ. That's good. Lead me. Only you. You're the shepherd. You're my father. Thank you. You can transform me. And that operating system is going to take 10 years to become new, but man, you can do it. I promise one thing. It might be foreign to everything you've ever learned in your whole entire life. Well, I got to teach a session recently um, on church planting. They go, what do you want to teach on? I go, they're like, how do you plant a church? How do you, you know, be successful? And it was titled, Don't Plant a Church, Plant Yourself. That basically church planting, just like every one of our lives in whatever role we're in, is, is an opportunity for sanctification to become more like God. And I said, this particular path for me is sanctification on steroids. It's a, but ultimately, it's a beautiful opportunity to plant myself in what God wants to do. But it hurts so good. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord look with favor on you and give you Peace. Hope to see you this Wednesday, 6 p.m., as we're going to continue Philemon. We'll be here next Sunday. All races, all faces, all ages, you belong here. We're going to keep loving this city one life at a time. We're not going to stop until he makes all things new. Have the best day of your life, y'all. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing Podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. To get connected, learn more, and invest financially, go to citylifelancing.com.